800 AM and 94.9 FM KINY Juno from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Local first. Now, News of the North. From the capital city, I'm Jazz Garrett. These are the stories we're following this hour. The Ketchikan Police Department and the Southeast Alaska Cities Against Drugs Task Force seized illegal drugs estimated at approximately 663,000. The Urban Avalanche Advisory for Juneau has been reduced. And Juneau will soon have a new map for the well-loved Tidelands at its heart. But first, on Friday, the Ketchikan Police Department and the Southeast Alaska Cities Against Drugs Task Force served a series of search warrants in Ketchikan in connection to an ongoing investigation regarding the distribution of fentanyl and methamphetamine. The operation resulted in seizing nearly a kilogram of fentanyl pills, 34.8 grams of white powder fentanyl, 252.9 grams of crystal methamphetamine, and $14,411 in cash believed to be proceeds of drug sales, along with a firearm. 38-year-old Ketchikan resident Andrew C. Hansen was arrested and charged with drug and weapon offenses in connection to this case. The Urban Avalanche Advisory has been decreased to considerable today. The advisory expires at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Although the likelihood of avalanches is slowly reducing, avalanche danger remains considerable with natural avalanches still possible and human-triggered slides likely, especially on any slopes that have not already slid. The weak layers were extensive and appear to be on most aspects and at most elevations in the region. Stability takes time. With these deep weak layers in place, Juno may not see stability for some time. Continue to stay up to date on Juno.org forward slash avalanche. The Southeast Alaska Land Trust is updating the 1979 maps created for the Mendenhall Wetlands State Game Refuge and used in its 1990 management plan. The 5,252-acre project area consists of the refuge and nearby tidal and recently uplifted areas, including 22 properties that SEAL owns and stewards. A board member of SILT, Matt Robus, explains how the project will offer a new and timely understanding of how the wetlands function. The wetland mapping project is for a couple of reasons, and one of them is that the last map that was done was 40 years ago, and that formed the basis for um, getting the fish and game refuge going. But since then, with the glacial uplift, post-glacial uplift that we see, those habitats are constantly and rapidly changing. And so after 40 years, now that we hold these parcels, which were acquired largely as mitigation for the airport expansion back in the early 2000s, we felt we needed to know what the values were today on those properties. And so this is a major update and and kind of rewrite of the habitat mapping that was done 40, 42 or three years ago. Robes talks more about how the wetlands are changing due to isostatic rebound. Basically the land here on the wetlands is lifting at a very rapid rate and that changes the water regime and it actually is moving habitats. Emergent wetland habitats are going to appear on what's now sandbars that are just rising out of the water um, over time. And then older areas, older wetland areas are going to be drying out and kind of changing their character. 
So that's what we're really trying to get a handle on by doing this work. The wetlands are an important habitat for birds and for fish. Robis says this new information will allow the Mendenhall wetlands to be protected with the best results. For projects that are going to affect the Mendenhall wetlands, and that could be the, you know, the second crossing project or a future airport expansion, this will put things in the right place on the map, um, which is not true for a 40-year-old map in a rapidly changing area. So the first thing in a row is, is you'll actually be able to determine what kinds of habitats you would be affecting. It gives a context, so instead of a narrow stripe of inventory along a project right-of-way, you can see what is nearby outside that corridor that might be affected. The mapping will also help managers of the State Game Refuge, the Division of Wildlife Conservation with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, be informed in making management decisions. SEALT would like to recognize the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, Bosworth Botanical Consulting, Atomus Resource Assessment, and Territorial Sportsman Incorporated for supporting this expansive project, which will advance research, planning, and habitat management for years to come. All of the field work has been completed as of this fall, Robis says. They expect to have the Mendenhall Wetlands Habitat Mapping Project and the Functional Values List completed this spring. Coming up, the Shrine of St. Therese is hosting their annual fundraiser. That story next with Jordan Lewis when News of the North continues. Joe Sainert from the Shrine of St. Therese joined Capital Chat yesterday to talk about the Shrine's annual fundraiser. The fundraiser added an online component starting over the pandemic. Post some pictures, people from all over the country can view this stuff, and we get people from as far away as Florida to up in Anchorage and all over, helping us to get a little money together to keep the Shrine beautiful. Donations will be matched during this fundraiser. Jim Wilcox and... Uh, his family said, well, we'll match you dollar for dollar any, any amount that you can raise up to uh, $10,000. And that's been really helpful. Well, this past year, um, an, a family that wishes to remain anonymous said, well, we'll, we'll match what, whatever Jim's doing there. So it's a two-for-one match. So if somebody gives a dollar, the Shrine receives $3. So it's mm-hmm. really helpful for us. So if, you're, if you don't need anything on the online auction, well, you can certainly help the Shrine by donating and getting that money matched. Sainert says there is a variety of practical maintenance that the funds will be used for. Those beautiful gardens, you know, every spring, uh, the uh, Janice Burns-Bayarski goes through and they check and make sure with Catherine Foy and the group that volunteers for the uh, the gardens and they go through and they have to look at all the plants that did and didn't make it and then it takes a, a lot of money to replace those annually so we've got that we've got the upkeep of, of the cabins we run a, a five-year uh, maintenance and upkeep program and you know we have a lot of things on there that need to be done some of those cabins are over 90 years old uh, they're beautiful and they're kept up well but this year we need to we need to replace the stove in, in the lodge which is one of the things we need to do we got to paint the interior of the jubilee cabin which is a beautiful cabin up on the hill other cabins need to be painted trail maintenance is needed and three more columbariums will be added this year as well to honor those who have passed the juno arts and humanities council is hosting their annual clink wine tasting fundraiser next month the biannual wearable arts will also be happening this year in September. Executive Director Phil Hibson gives more details on tickets for the event. Clink is coming up on February 9th. Tickets are 
for sale now. Um, there's kind of two parts to the event. There's a VIP section and a main event section. The VIP uh, starts at 4 p.m. and those tickets are $100 and what you get for the VIP tickets are a specialized higher-end wine tasting with uh, hand-picked selections by specialty imports. They're very ritzy. I'm not, I don't know a lot about wine, but I'm told they're very... <laughs> yes. And then the main event starts at 5 p.m. Um, and we have seated tickets for $50, or you could get a couple's deal, for which is two for 90 uh, And then standing room uh, tickets are $30 or two for 50 a silent auction will also be at the event. Gallery and Programs Manager Rochelle Bonet and Hibshin give a sneak peek. One of them uh, was graciously donated by Devil's Club, and it's a tag-along brewing experience, which I'm really excited about. Do you want to just, like, bit-bop back and sure. forth on these? Yeah, yeah. Take one, then. Um, another one that is going to be part of the auction is a cooking class with Spice Juno Indian Cuisine, mm-hmm. donated by Nimi Phillips, the owner up there. Yes. Uh, Grizz Bar, actually, uh, some, I think this is like brand new news. I don't know. Uh, but they're actually renovating their rooftop. So they're going to have a second story. And I think it's going to be Juno's like only outdoor rooftop bar. The Grizz Bar has donated a rental of their second floor once it's completed. All the proceeds from Clink will go to benefit Jack's Youth Fine Arts Scholarships. The high wind warning for downtown Juno and Douglas has been extended through midnight Thursday night. While lulls are possible, high winds aloft will continue to reach the surface throughout the day and night with gusts up to 70 miles per hour. And today, the Juno Education Association and the National Education Association Alaska will hold a rally on the steps of the Capitol building. The event will begin at 5 p.m. and conclude at 6 p.m. 4th Street between Main Street and Seward Street will be closed to vehicular traffic at this time. Now you're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. For continuous updates, visit our website, kinyradio.com.